Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I am well, although I've realised I had the button wrong on the microphone for the last couple of episodes, so that's really irritated me. But we have got lots of books to cover this week, lots of books, a very interesting author to talk to. And I thought as well, as well as all the books to, to go through, we're going to look ahead, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to look ahead to some of the books that are going to be published February, so not not that far to go at all but there's going to be a big sort of health kick there's lots of different books and I don't know I was just reading about them all and it just it just made me giggle a bit so I thought I'd I'd go through some of them with you obviously these are serious books that people have spent a lot of time writing and thinking about so I shouldn't I shouldn't laugh but I think sometimes you just have to have a bit of a laugh so um, first of all, if you have enjoyed doing all your PE sessions with Joe Wicks, you'll be very pleased to know that there is a 30-day kickstart plan coming out um, where he shows you how to get a grip on health. There we go. That one actually isn't out till May, so we've got a bit of time to, to wait for that. Um, then we've got one called The 24-7 Body by Matt Morcia. Promoted as the UK's number one fitness YouTuber, Matt Morcia presents a Get Fit programme without weird diets, workouts or supplements. Well, if that means I don't actually have to do any work at all, then then I'd be up for that one, I think. If if the 24-7 body means I can just lie in bed and have a, have a nap, then then I'm up for that. I think we should all go out and buy that book immediately. Um, We've got one called Move! Exclamation mark. So it's not just move, it's quite an authoritative move by Caroline Williams. The science behind exercise and what it can do for your body and your mind. Mm, I'm not sure, but that one's not grabbing me, I have to say. This one is grabbing me. How to just eat it. I don't need a book about that subject for me. But anyway, How to Just Eat It by Laura Thomas. Over 80 ideas for relearning your approach to food and exercise. Well, (laughs) let me tell you, I combined my approach to food and exercise yesterday for various reasons. Won't go into, couldn't do my run outside, had to do it on the treadmill. Awful. Hate, hate the treadmill. Uh, My daughter says she's got PTSD from the treadmill from the last time she had to use it. But so I was having to use it and I was going so slowly and also I was really hungry. So I started, I mean, 
it was fruit, but first of all, I had a banana and then an apple and some grapes while walking. So I think by the end, I had actually consumed more calories than I had burnt while working out. So that was clever. Well done, me. This is another one. I like the sound of this. The How Not to Diet Cookbook um, by Michael Grieger. Some 100 recipes following the How Not to Diet program promises effective and healthy ways to manage weight loss. So it's not it's not about dieting, but it, it, you see, I don't get these ones. These ones are all, oh, you don't need to diet. Just eat one calorie a day. That's all you need to do and you'll be absolutely fine. So I'm not sure about this that one. Um, next one, two weeks to feeling great. Gabriella Peacock. Ways to improve health and diet one step at a time. Two weeks to feeling great. You see, if I had a chocolate bar every day, I would feel quite great, I think. So I don't, I'm not sure about that one. This does sound like I'm being really mean, but it just made me laugh looking through these. Now, the next one does sound very serious. Michael Mosley, fast 800 keto, lose a stone in 21 days. Lose a stone in 21 days. That sounds very grim. There's going to be a lot of kale in that book, I think. It's not It's not one for me. I mean, basically, the, un the underlying premise is eat less. When, you, when they come out with the diet that I can eat literally what I want, um, that's great. The 5-2 diet didn't work for me because the two days, OK, I'd be really strict. But then on the other days when they say you can eat as much as you want, it, you see, that's not good for me because I literally did. But anyway, there we go. Um, this one sounds quite interesting. Sarah Crosby, five minute therapy. Look on this as your pocket therapist, says Century. I quite like the sound of that one. So, um, yes, five minute therapy by Sarah Crosby. I shall have a little look out for that one. Um, oh, I'm not sure about this one. Power Hour by Adrian Herbert. Reclaim time. Make the first hour of the day your power hour. Taken from the popular Power Hour podcast. Listen, I get up at 5am already during the week. If I had to get up at 4am, there would be no power in that. There would be a lot of complaining. The Complaining Hour by Philippa. Uh, what? Uh, only two others. Don't worry, we're nearly there. Oh, this one, um, I thought... It sounds quite good and there's um there's a lot of marketing weight behind this one. Fern Cotton, Speak Your Truth. Fern Cotton shares ways to discover your authentic voice. So maybe I would talk differently after that one. I don't know. Anyway. And finally, this um this is not a light subject, but it sounds like it's handled very capably. You will get through this night by Daniel Howell. A Guide to Getting Through Depressive Episodes from Dan Howell, Comedian and YouTube Entertainer. So there's a lot of different books. Um, as you can tell, I'm not a huge fan of the fitness diet books. See, I've just thrown that down now with Gay Abandon. There we go, it's thrown down. Anyway, I need to talk to you about the books I've waffled on. For people who have joined me and thinking, when is she actually going to get to the books she's reviewing this week? It's now, it's here, it's happening. So... We have got one, two, three, four, five, six, six books and Philippa can still count up to six. So that's good. Um, we have got The Stranger Times by C.K. McDonnell, uh, Ellie Griffiths, um, The Chalk Pit. Um, we've got A Stranger on the Beach by Michelle Campbell, The Angel of Whitehall by Lewis Hastings. Um, we've got The Chalet by Catherine Cooper and we've got Set Me on Fire. 
A Poem for Every Feeling by Ella Risbridger. So I think we've got a lot of different books to, to talk about. We better get started. So I'm going to move my pile of books. You see, great editing. I don't even edit out the, the noise of me moving the books away. But I hope it adds authenticity. But anyway, nev never mind. Here we go. So The Stranger Times is written by... Uh, C.K. Macdonald. I'll read the blurb, but then we're going to talk to the author himself to find out a bit more about it. A weekly newspaper dedicated to the weird and wonderful, but mostly the weird, The Stranger Times is the go-to publication for the unexplained and inexplicable. At least that's their pitch. The reality is rather less auspicious. The editor's a foul-tempered drunk who thinks little and believes less of the publication he edits. His star for a bunch of misfits, each with a secret or two to hide. And the new assistant editor, Hannah Willis, has her own particular set of problems. It's when tragedy strikes in Hannah's first week on the job that The Stranger Times is forced to do some proper, actual investigative journalism. What they discover leads them to a shocking realisation that some of the stories they'd previously dismissed as nonsense are in fact terrifyingly real. Soon they come face to face with darker foes than they could ever have imagined because it's one thing reporting on the unexplained and paranormal but it's quite another being dragged into the battle between the forces of good and evil. Uh, yeah, it's a really good book, really different. You you want to, you know, if you're a fan of uh, Terry Pratchett, Jasper Ford, Ben Arovich, Jodie Taylor, this is, this is the book for you. If you're someone who says, well, that's unbelievable in my mind and therefore I cannot enjoy that book. You know, if you're a very straight lace reader, then OK, it might not be for you, but for everyone else. Um, and particularly if you like something with a bit of a sense of humour. Um, all, all different aspects. It's really good. But before I witter on any more, let's talk to the author. So, C.K. McDonald, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Lovely to be here. Well, just wanted to talk to you about this astonishing book. I enjoyed it so much. So, so different. Um, but before we get into the, the, the meat about it, can you sort of summarise the, the book and uh, a, a bit about the story? Yes, Um the, uh, well, it's it's set in Manchester, which is my adopted hometown. Anyone who's got a good ear for accents might realise it's not my original hometown. <laughs> um, but basically, it's set in a newspaper. The idea being that it's sort of a newspaper that that uh, reports the weird and wonderful from around the world. It's kind of like a tabloid version of the Fortean Times. Uh, and the idea is basically the people working there. Uh, it's 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 got Vincent Bancroft, who is uh, basically the former Dark Lord of of tabloids in on Fleet Street who's hit rock bottom and kept going. He ends up as the editor of this bizarre newspaper. And then while he's there and another woman, Hannah, joins. And in her first week, they discover that, uh, let's just say that some of the things going on that they were reporting aren't nonsense after all. And it turns mm -hmm. out there are some very weird things going on indeed. Brilliant. And it's got this this superb balance um, between humour and the sort of, not horror, the, the darker side, the crimes, the threats in in, in the book. And although it, it is brilliant, it must be quite hard to, to manage in terms of getting that balance right. Was that something that you had to work on as you wrote the book? Um, to be honest, not that much. People, every time people always ask about when there's funny bits in the writing, like, oh, did you did you work hard to get the funny stuff in? And <laughs> I always maintain that kind of, for start, comedy honestly isn't a genre. I believe mm. firmly comedy is a style. So if you tell me to get between points A and point B, 
that's just my mind will go along a certain route that is maybe funnier because of I have a stand up and TV writing background. And it's just second nature, to be honest to me. So I don't honestly, I don't really worry about it being funny when I'm writing. I just know that there's bits that will. And obviously there's, there's things that pop up, the concepts that pop up that tickle me, which is naturally mm -hmm. end up kind of coming into the story. And the wonderful thing about something that's a bit sort of, you know, paranormal, a bit kind of different with stuff like that is it just gives such an incredible canvas to work with mm -hmm. where you can have all these weird and wonderful things that people believe and suspicion and, you know, like brings in everything from fairy tales and all these sort of things that all exist in our, in a, as part of our overall consciousness, but you can bring them in and do something fun with them. Um, and it's just great for that. So really making it funny is easy, but at the same time, that stuff can be scary. As I said, I think you, you said it exactly right. It's not horror because I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm terrified of horror films. I don't watch them. Uh, <laughs> my too. wife loves them. I'm, I'm <laughs> genuinely scared. She, she, she and my old flatmate, I used to live with a guy called Gary Delaney, who's a stand-up comedian. And as, as I was till I retired and her and her and uh, Gary used to go to the cinema and watch a horror film and me and Gary's now wife, Sarah, used to go and watch a comedy and then we'd meet each other afterwards because I was way too much of a wuss to watch a horror movie. Yeah, absolutely. So where did the idea come from from this book? Did it come as one complete picture in your mind? I actually had it because I said I was a TV. I sort of had the idea like because I've always been obsessed with this area about I mean, it must have been 15 years ago. And I actually wrote a sitcom script, kind of, which is weirdly kind of the first few chapters is a lot of the same stuff in it. Um, and the characters are very similar, certainly the Bancroft character and stuff like that. Um, so it was always there in my head and then it was gone completely. And then one morning I woke up and I was looking to write something and do something different. And it literally popped into my head while I was in the shower. Um, and by the time I got out of the shower, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And I walked to my office in Manchester, which is 20 minutes away, my writing office. And by the time I got there, I was like, right, I'm doing this and I'm going to do it in Manchester because I love this city and I've never written anything in it. And it has, anyone who knows Manchester, it has a wonderful vibe that is very distinctive. Mm. Um, and I just sort of felt like that was a great character. And I do try and show a bit of Manchester in the book and mm. hopefully as they go on, because I hope we do other books that it will be more of it. And it just sort of it was one of those things where it just kind of everything came together. And literally by the time I sat down at my desk, I was like struggling to get everything down. There was so many ideas to get it all down. And um, and then really there from then, it was just, uh, just a lot of fun writing it from there. So it sounds like the idea really consumed you when it presented itself to you. Yeah, it, it, it's one of these things, you know, I think it's one of those things where the idea just sort of hits you and then you're like, wow. And then, you know, it's obviously something a bit different and um, you're figuring out certain parts of the story as you go. Because when I write, there's always these things about panthers and plotters, if you ever hear all yes. of us talk about it. Yeah. And I'm weirdly sort of in the middle. I kind of know where I'm going for the next few days. And as long as I do, I'm okay. And then it just sort of, I literally have cards on a thing and I'm just going to sort of pin them in. So, well, that'll happen at some point and that'll happen at some point. And then gradually they all pull together. Um, but yeah, once you've got, I think it's sort of an idea hits a critical mass in my head and then I just have to start writing. And when that happens, do you just have to write until until you're sort of dry of, of that of that concept or do you set yourself more on oh no today it's a thousand words oh well I, I sort of do yeah I do I can you know if I'm if I'm flowing um I can write a couple of thousand words a couple of thousand words a day and stuff and uh, I'm trying this might my, my thing for the next month is genuinely to try again to see if I can figure out how to touch type because I, I genuinely I, I write so much we've actually figured out my my um my physio figured out that 
that I was getting neck strain. And it, I figured out it's basically, it's not where the screen is. It's because I keep looking down at the keyboard to find out where the keys are. So if I actually figure out how to look straight ahead, I'm going to be writing more and also in less in less physical discomfort. So, um, yeah, no, I, I just kind of go and um, especially, uh, shall we say, in 2020, when we're all uh, more constrained about where we could be. Mm. I have an office in the back of my garden and I'd know where else to be. I didn't really know how to take a day off because that would just mean sitting in the front room watching telly. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I enjoy writing. I know I do hear writers talk about how difficult it is and how much pain it is. And I always feel a bit guilty because I was like, I kind of enjoy it. I don't really, you know, that mm. everyone else sort of says about struggling for their art. And I'm like, I, I just think it's a bit fun. I'm telling a story, having a good time. Um, but, you know, I mean, obviously you have good and bad days, but generally I have to say I really enjoy the process. I think it tends it tends to depend on someone's background. If they've been, say, a journalist, then they're very much used to it's just it's another deadline. It's got to be done wherever I am. I can write for you as a comedian. Again, in a way, it's a, a case of no matter what you're dealing with on that day, you brush yourself down and you get and you get on with it. It's oh, yeah. Resilience. You- yeah, you, you've got to you've got to have the resilience as a comedian because you know you will have some horrendous bad days as well as great great days, obviously. But even then, as well, I also wrote kids TV um, for quite some time, so I I, I got a sort of BAFTA nominated for a kids TV thing, and I I um, created a cartoon series that the BBC and something called Bear Behaving Badly. If people have kids who are a certain age, I say it's actually long ago now. I actually met somebody recently who knew some of the kids TV I wrote. And I had the horrible conversation where I realized that she had been a child when she'd seen it and oh. she was now an adult and you've never, nothing in life prepares you for quite how old you will feel in that moment. That is a uniquely weird moment when you realize. Um, so I wrote, I wrote all like kids TV and stuff, which was a great learning ground. It was my first kind of real thing in, in, in writing for anything. And the great thing as well, as you said, that's, that's craft and that's, you can't ring them up and go, oh, my muse isn't working today. I can't write. They're going, right, well, we need a script where the little blue bear says something. Something funny is supposed to happen in a bath. Just get it done or someone else will. So, uh, you know, I think that's genuinely it is. You do come from it from the, that, that background that you're exactly right. Once you're used to doing that, um, the words become the words and you, you write them and then you'll rewrite them and then you'll rewrite them and then they'll be right. And you don't worry about the muse and all that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. And presumably... Um, on darker days as well there's still something funny and and that's what you can take the the humor and and turn that into writing yeah exactly you can take and and the great thing again particularly with the stranger times world is as well as the book i've actually got a podcast called the stranger times where i've done short stories um and i what i basically do is i kind of use them as little breaks again genuinely in 2020 i was sort of at home couldn't do anything else so to take a break from doing stuff i actually wrote something else so i ended up writing short stories that i've got um friends of mine from the comedy circuit to narrate that people seem to really enjoy. And it's great just hearing people do something a bit different. Because mm. the thing I realized is uh, stand-up comedians, because we drive up and down the country, uh, they all have listened to loads of audiobooks because they have to fill in hours upon hours in a car. So lo- turns out loads of comics I know secretly always quite wanted to do a bit of narration. So uh, we ended up getting, and it's been, that's been a huge amount of fun. I and mean, we've got some really cracking ones. And again, that's the great thing with this kind of area is I like short stories anyway, but this kind of area just lends itself to those kind of things. And they're a great break as well. Yeah. I, I mean, some people have referred to the, the book as quirky, which I can understand where that comes from because it, it it's a bit different. Although it's clearly there's a, there's a well-trodden genre for it, but <laughs> 
does that does that sort of irritate you a bit when that when the word quirky comes up? Um, oh, this, it's it's the nature of when you write funny books, you will get certain things. I mean, quirky doesn't bother me too much. Uh, I mean, zany I could do without. Uh, <laughs> any of those, but those you get the occasional one. I'm I'm not particularly fond of the word caper either. Uh, which is just again sort of things you get. To be honest, I don't. I think I don't like the phrase because uh, I've, I've been just a comedy crime as well, and I don't particularly like that phrase because. Every time somebody says it, it just in my head it brings up the image of three clowns with a ladder they are inexplicably yes. bad at carrying, trying to break into a pie factory. Yeah. It doesn't sort of maintain because <laughs> you know there are funny bits, but at the same time I'm very much telling a story. I'm saying very true to the you know there are stakes because I think when comedy goes badly in books, in all honesty, is when it feels like someone is just trying to push jokes at you, and that these people are in this room because this person came up with an idea for a joke in it. Yeah, and. I think it's very much always the characters and always the story driving stuff. And then hopefully the comedy will come out with that. So how did you get published? What's your story? Because this isn't uh, your first book. You've you've written. No, others. I mean, I've yeah, no, I've written others, uh, basically, because my name is uh, Queeve, uh, which is impossible to spell. The reason it's CK on this book, as we said just off air, is uh, the publishers were very keen to not have to explain Queef to people because it's spelled. I mean, genuinely, you can have a game of Hangman and you'll lose yourself trying to guess how Queef is spelled. <laughs> also, um, CK Madonna, that I think sounds quite sort of elusive and mysterious. And... Well, it is mysterious. Even my own mother commented on that because <laughs> she, she went like, as, as my so mother and my bad. father both, both independently rang, rang up and went, those aren't your initials. I went, yeah, I know. Because so, I basically, because Queef is a version of Kevin in English, in Irish, in, in Gaelic, you know, the, the original Gaelic. Yeah. Version. And um, I genuinely with my agent, Ed, when we said it, we'd already agreed not to use Queeve on the thing. So on the manuscript, I put C slash K as in we can use C McDonald or K McDonald. And oh. Ed just looked at CK and went, that sounds quite good. <laughs> and he just used CK. And then so that's that's how it ended up uh, with that. But yeah, you're exactly right. I, I um, independently published uh, a load of books, uh, the Dublin trilogy, Bunny McGarry, which have luckily gone on to, to do really well. Um, so to be honest, we came from the situation where we're quite sort of in the weird situation where I already had a good career in that area. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had this idea for something different. And my agent, Ed, um, you know, was keen to pitch something different. And um, we sort of did an unusual thing with this where we actually did up a version because it was set in the newspaper. Mm -hmm. I created an eight page version of the newspaper which we sent out to publishers before we ever sent them the book. Oh, you've got it there. All right. Fantastic. Yes, I've got it here, which is great. It was absolutely super. Yeah, Yeah. no, and it, it worked. And to be honest, if, if for anyone thinking of writing a book, being a bit different, like it, it works so well. I remember ringing my head up and going like, I haven't heard from when you're kind of a couple of days, you're trying not to bother me to go. So how, how's it going? He said, well, let me put it this way. Yeah, I sent it out to a certain amount of editors. Yeah, I've had all the other editors I know ring up and give out that they didn't receive it. It was like, really? Oh, God. Like, yeah. Turns out this is a very exciting thing for them getting a newspaper. So we sort of did that. And then, um, you know, we got some early interest. And actually, the first people to come back uh, were Transworld, who were um, basically Terry Pratchett, who's my all-time hero, bar none. And you can see Terry Pratchett books behind me on the, the, the thing, I'm sure. Um, a massive, massive fan. And Terry Pratchett's uh, publishers were the first ones to come back. And I can remember the time my wife thinking, just sitting, we were sitting out having a drink. It was in like summertime outside, outside of a thing in Manchester. And she looked at me and went, 
you're going to sign with Transworld, aren't you? It's like, well, we'll see what else could it come in. He's like, yeah, but look at you. Your, li- your little face has been glowing for an hour ever since we got the phone call. You're going to sign with Transworld. He's like, yeah, I probably am. And I have. Um, you know, and you, you bring him for the meeting. We've got all the books behind him, the Terry Pratchett on the wall. And you're thinking, oh, you know just how to get me. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so that that's kind of how we ended up where we are. Oh, fantastic. And did you have much influence over the book cover design? Because uh, it's this gorgeous sort of dark red cover with this bottle on and the Stranger Times on it. It's lovely. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, to be honest, when you're coming from the self-published independent thing as, as we are, and I say myself, my wife works full time for our company and we sort of manage everything ourselves. So, you know, we're quite professional when we do it. Because uh, I know some people hear self-publishing and think, ooh, we, we, we're at the very much the professional end of that. But um, yeah, we're, we're used to having control of everything, to be honest, like literally everything, We you know. And um, so we're a bit worried because people say when you're going to tradition, go, oh, they'll just get any old cover and they'll do this to you and they'll do that to you. And they've actually all the way along, honestly, hand on heart, trans world have been great. So we got sort of sent various things. We gave loads of feedback and stuff. And mm-hmm. then that came through and that we love that cover to bits because the great thing about it is as well is there's little details all over the cover. So when you've actually read the book, you can go, yeah. oh, that's that bit from the story. And this refers to an article in the in the thing. And it's just it's great because the designers obviously read the book and enjoyed it and really grabbed yeah. it and, and made something quite beautiful out of it. So, yeah, it's, it's a I'm thrilled to bits with it. Yeah, it's great. But I can't you, claim the credit. <laughs> are you ever tempted to write by hand? Because it's sort of I don't know why it struck me with this book, but it just felt like it was. It had been written by hand, which it clearly hasn't because. No, um, my, my handwriting is so bad. Um, <laughs> genuinely, this is how bad my handwriting is. Uh, I was delighted when Chip and Pin came in because <laughs> I used I got stopped. I think it was three times in garages when signing my own thing uh, on the back, my own signature, um, <laughs> because they went, that doesn't look like your signature. And I honestly, I got so freaked out. My handwriting has always been terrible. My handwriting was so bad that I actually, I've regularly signed my name and gone, I've, I've spelled that wrong. I've been so focused on trying to do it correctly. I've got like literally got, there's three N's in this. There's no way anyone's going to not notice there's three N's in it. Because no, I, I've always had appalling handwriting. I fail. I, I was told I was going to fail English when I was in, in thing because my Gosh. handwriting. I was captain of the school debating team and then my school debating, the guy in charge of me told my mother, I'm really sorry, but I think he's going to fail English um, because no one can read what he's writing. And um so yeah, so no, I, I, well, I do know people who do handwrite, and fair play to them. No, no, that the fountain pen will not be making an entrance for for the writing. No, no, I, I get nervous when I have to sign books. That's as far as it's going. <laughs> and you mentioned about the possibility of follow-ons, which is um, really exciting. So I was going to say, what what's next? And, and oh well, I mean, to be honest with you, because you know, uh, there's there's a there's a lead time on these things. I've actually pretty much I've finished the first draft of the second Stranger Times book. Um, the 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 little hint I'll give you, because a big thing of the Stranger Times world is that there's vampires don't exist. They are kind of like an allegory for these people that do exist, who mm. are in the background controlling it. And then the whole idea is they don't exist. And then suddenly they start appearing uh, and <laughs> things that don't exist, like genuinely, even the other people go, these people don't exist. And it's almost uh, so that was the idea behind oh, it. And yeah. um, it's it's a little bit of there's a little bit of everything in there. There's a bit about to- toxic masculinity, which is unfortunately topical and will probably mm. be topical in a year as well. Um, so it's just I that's the great thing with sci-fi and fantasy stuff is you can talk about the, the world you live in but take a very different angle on it and that's very much what i'm hoping to do with that is is sort of 
looking at something like the toxic masculinity issue yeah. and kind of taking it to an extreme to, to, to sort of, you know, make monsters into monsters. Um, so, yeah, you know, well, at the same time, having fun telling the story and really because, again, the great thing is since I've written the first book, I've done the short stories. And the great mm -hmm. thing with the short stories is when I'm writing them, I'm going, oh, right, there's this is a part of the world and this is a part of the world. And yeah. it's so it's so great to develop a whole world around a book. Um, like that was the, again with Terry Pratchett. He had Ankh Morpork, which is the city he's based. Most of his books are based in. And people have read those books. Like it's just amazing the tapestry he builds up. Obviously things like Harry Potter and all these things, but you get it in loads of different genres. And it's one of these things that I think if you enjoy a world, it brings, brings a book so much more to life. So I'm I'm really excited just to build on that world. And I think, you know, Jinx Touch Wood, I, I hope to write many, many more books in the Stranger Times world in the next few years. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you enjoy writing them and we certainly enjoy reading them. So Thank look you. forward to more. CK McDonald. thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Well, that was that was just brilliant, wasn't it? Um, can't wait to read more of those. So, yeah, if you're someone who likes something a bit a bit different, uh, I think you would love the book. It's, um, you know, just got a, a worthy place on most people's bookshelves, I think. So there we go. Anyway, let's move on. And uh, the next book I want to talk to you about is called The Chalet by Catherine Cooper. Now, I don't know if you remember when we had Phoebe Morgan on from HarperCollins and she was talking about uh, the role publishers play and the editing process and all, all sorts of things. Um, we were also talking about books that were coming up and she mentioned The, the Chalet. So I was very keen to, to read it. And I actually read it on the Kindle. I don't know what's going on with me at the moment. But anyway, I read it on the Kindle and I enjoyed it on the Kindle. What's going on there? Let's read you the blurb. French Alps, 1998. Two young men ski into a blizzard, but only one returns. 20 years later, four people connected to the missing man find themselves in that same resort. Each has a secret. Two may have blood on their hands. One is a killer in waiting. Someone knows what really happened that day and somebody will pay. Actually, as I'm reading this, it's quite interesting because I didn't read the blurb. I just thought, oh, yes, Phoebe really rated it. I'm going I'm going to read it. It's quite interesting reading that blurb now. Maybe I should have read that or not. I don't know. I really enjoyed the book with, without that. Um, the fact that it's sort of set in, in this ski chalet, but it's not a locked room. It's not sort of an Agatha Christie in that respect. And I enjoyed it because it wasn't. There's quite a few books of that type about at the moment. Um, so it's one that's an easy, quick read uh, for all the right reasons. Um, and I like the setting. I like the characters. They were clearly defined. So I wasn't left thinking, oh, who's that person and who's that? Um, and I had my own ideas. Some were right, some were wrong. And I just like I liked how it played out uh, and the conclusion. So, yes, that that was very pleasing. Uh, so that's The Chalet uh, by Catherine Cooper. And that's available now, whether you choose to read it on a Kindle like I did, strangely enough. Do you know, I think why I read it as that is normally with books, I do like to go to bed, uh, go to sleep while I'm reading. So I have this contraption of a torch on my books um, with a timer on it. It's quite strange. So it will turn off. Whereas the Kindle just very quietly just thinks to itself, oh, she's not turned a page for a while. Either she's not interested or she's gone to sleep. I'll turn myself off. And it just very quietly does this without this little pink cumbersome torch with the timer on it. Uh, so there we go. Anyway, enough, enough about me and my sleep or lack of. 
let's talk about the wonderful Eddie Griffiths. Now, if you've listened to the podcast for a while, if you know me, you will know that I think Ellie Griffiths is a fantastic author. Love her books. And oh, just going through a bit of stuff at the moment. I thought, no, I need something comforting. What comforts me most? A series I know well. And so I thought, yes, Philippa, it's time to reward yourself with the next in the uh, the Ellie Griffiths series. Uh, they're, they're just brilliant. They're the Dr. Ruth Galloway books. Um, and the characters are just wonderful in these books. You're never left thinking, oh, who's that or who's that? You just you, you're in safe hands with this. There's always a good story, a good crime, a good mystery to solve. There's always development with the characters. And uh, I, I just love them. I'm trying to restrict myself and not read them all in one go, which I'd love to do. I'm trying to take my time. Whether that will work or not, I don't know. Anyway, the blurb is this. Cannibalism in Norwich? It seems unlikely, but the old tunnels under the city have spawned plenty of legends. When Ruth discovers the bones are no more than five years old, it seems a hideous crime has been committed. D.I. Harry Nelson has no time for grisly stories. A local homeless woman has disappeared and the only trace of her are rumours that she's gone underground. Nelson is not inclined to take this literally. And yet... When another rough sleeper is murdered and a second woman vanishes, Ruth and Nelson must face the possibility that the underground is more than a legend. They'd better unravel its secrets before it claims another victim. So, if you like crime, if you like a series and you haven't read these books, go away and read them immediately. It starts with The Crossing Places as book one. You can, if you've got one that's not the first, don't worry, read it, see what you think, see if you enjoy the characters. Um, but if you like to read a full series, then I think it's worth going back to the first book. You can often get the first 10 books in a in a block on a deal. So again, it's worth doing that. Um, just, yes, re read them, enjoy them. Um, love them. Fabulous. There we go. The Chalk Pit by Ellie Griffiths. Now, the next one is a bit of a whopper. And I say that having, yes, consumed all the things that I shouldn't have consumed. But this this book is more of a whopper than I am. It's written by Lewis Hastings and it's called The Angel of Whitehall. It's 700, just over 700 pages long and it's a thriller. And it's brilliant. Let, let's read the blurb and then I'll, I'll tell you a bit more about why I think it's brilliant. Twelve women hunted by a deadly enemy. A young African woman's body is found slumped in a London side street. Her stomach slashed open, a single diamond hiding within. A shameful secret that must remain hidden. An elderly sailor with just weeks to live harbours a dark secret that he has to share before he dies. The only problem? His memory is failing through dementia. What's the connection? Former British police officer Jack Cade is the only man who can help unravel the mystery. Piercing together the fragments of information that the old man's fragile memory reveals, Cade unearths a people trafficking conspiracy with links to the heart of the British establishment. They want his source silenced. Cade is the only person who can protect him. But who can Cade trust? Um, now, this is actually the fourth in the Jack Cade series. I haven't read any of the others. It didn't. It wasn't necessary for me. Maybe I was missing out on, on some gems, but I could enjoy the book and enjoy it. I did with, without reading the others. Um, it reminded me of sort of a good old fashioned thriller where you were into the book from the first page 
and you didn't want to sort of let go to the end, the 700 pages not being a problem, that the story development was good and the characters were good. It's actually published by um, Hobeck, which are a, a, a great new publishing firm. Well, new, they've been around for a while, actually. They'd probably berate me for saying that, but they're, they've only come on my radar in the last sort of 12 months. Um, and I thought, I just thought it was a good book for people that say to me, oh, I just want one of those good thrillers you know like the da vinci it's not the da vinci but you know those sort of ones where they're they're quite chunky and uh so you're not going to get through it in a day well you could do i suppose unless you know you want to sleep eat breathe in that day but it's going to take some commitment but that commitment is rewarded that's what i would say so i i did really enjoy that so there we go that's the angel of whitehall by Lewis Hastings. Now the next one is called A Stranger on the Beach by Michelle Campbell. I've discovered an amazing thing, an amazing app on my phone, which is that our local library or the county our library is in, uh, you can get audiobooks from them. And not just one or two audiobooks, they have a huge range. When you first go in, you might think, oh, there aren't many many audiobooks I fancy but that's because they're only the ones that are available now or soon to be available so it's ever-changing um, and I just thought wow this is brilliant because I've got this book A Stranger on the Beach on my bookshelves but it's always time and yet I, I get the time to listen to audiobooks when I'm uh, in the car or walking the dog or out whatever so upshot of it was I thought right let's start this on audiobook and then I can read the book as well and uh, it would be a great way of getting this this book read because it this book was getting a lot of attention so I thought it's something that that I need to read and I struggled with it let's read the blurb and I didn't it wasn't that I was listening to the audiobook I was into the audiobook it was the character anyway okay here we go Caroline had everything the gorgeous beach house built for holidays and parties a seemingly happy marriage but when she discovers her husband has been lying to her she turns to a handsome stranger for comfort and revenge, a brief reckless affair that was meant to be fun, but soon becomes something much more sinister. As Caroline's marriage and wealthy lifestyle begin to crumble, so her lover's obsession grows. He's in her life, in her house and among her family, and his infatuation is growing more destructive. And when Caroline's husband goes missing, Caroline finds herself accused of murder. But what is she hiding? Um, it's well written. It's it's well plotted. It's got good surprises. I just I didn't sit comfortably with the main character and all that she was going through, allowing herself to go through. I don't know for, for the first section of the book. I just and I think that's a problem when you're listening to an audio book. As I've said in the past, you don't have the ability to go through those pages quickly. You know, the ones that make you uncomfortable. You have to suffer with the character as well. And and I did suffer and I did feel uncomfortable. Um, but having said that, it, it was a very interesting story. So I'm not saying it's not a good read. I'm just saying it depends what mood you're in that that's what it comes down to um but certainly michelle campbell can write wow and i would like to read more of her books because i'd be interested to see how she approaches other stories that she writes as well so you know it must be good for me to say right she, she's on the she's on the list 
<laughs> she's coming in. She's coming into the party. She's on the list. But um, but it, I don't know, just set me off track a little bit. But there we go. If here's a good link. If you're off track and you want to come back on track, then there's nothing like a little bit of poetry. Um, recent weeks, I've been talking about different poetry books that I've got. And this is probably the last one for a while. Um, but this is called Set Me on Fire, a poem for every feeling. An anthology by Ella Risbridger. Uh, it's a hardback book. It's a smaller hardback book. There are, I don't know, 200-ish pages. Um, I really liked it in some respects. I love some of the poems chosen, really different ones that I hadn't come across. Um, and I loved how they applied. And I loved some of the writing that goes alongside the anthology. Um, what threw me a little bit was the sort of the categories. So a poem for every feeling made me think it was along the lines of like the pharmacy book that I've previously mentioned, where um, there's a poem for, for literally every feeling that you, that you could feel well within reason, maybe not everything. Whereas these are categorised more into hungry which is a feeling. I mean, crikey. Yes, I, I feel that regularly. Um, happy, hungry, wanting, having, talking. It's complicated. Other people's lives on being done. Mothers. Um, in fact, let me move that page because I have highlighted one that I particularly like. Sorry for all the sound effects there. Um, but there's also ones on uh, life after death fathers, the end of the world, after the end. So, the, you know, there's a wide range of subjects covered. It's just that it wasn't what I was expecting. And so that threw me off. So if you're looking for a collection of poems which are thought provoking and maybe deal with um, good and bad situations, then then this really could be something. And they are beautiful poems. It's just that my expectations were slightly different from from what I then got but is it a book that I'm giving away no 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 this book is this book is staying with me um yes the, there's a, a poem by Maura Dooley um I called what every woman should carry and uh yeah I I really enjoyed that one so there's just different poems the pomegranate oh all sorts the not quite love uh, all different poems that are ones that you can really dwell on um, and are more modern poems generally than you might find in other collections. Um, so I'm not knocking it. I'm knocking me for my expectations going in. So it, I think to say it's a poem for every feeling is, it, it, for me, gave me the wrong impression. Um I just think maybe set me on fire. I should have focused on that because it does. It sets your mind on fire. It sort of activates those brain cells, makes you think, oh, that's a really good poem. Uh, so there we go. I think we've covered a lot of books and I think I've waffled on so much. Um, my thanks to CK McDonnell for a fascinating interview. So let's just go through the books again. Well, first of all, I've gone on about a lot of sort of healthy books and new books coming out soon. Um, and uh, yes, take of that <laughs> what you will. But then we've had uh, The Stranger Times by C.K. McDonnell. 
And we talked to C.K. McDonald about that, that book. We've had The Chalet by Catherine Cooper. We've had The Chalk Pit by Ellie Griffiths. Um, the Angel of Whitehall by Lewis Hastings. A Stranger on the Beach by Michelle Campbell. And Set Me on Fire, the collection of poems. I think that's everything. As you would expect me to say, I have got some amazing books to talk to you about next week. Really good ones and a really good author to talk to. So let's get this week done and I'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.